Hello and welcome to Jerry Anderson Heroes and Villains. Stay on this channel. This is an emergency. Each episode, we'll choose at random a story from an Anderson show ranging from Fireball XL5 to Terrorhawks. I think this frequency should be put on priority monitoring. We'll then look at the hero and villain of the tale, discuss any behind the scenes, actor information, and I'm sure numerous tallies. Shadow control to all stations. We have a red alert. Repeat, condition is red. And at the end, crucially, we're going to vote for them. Stand by for action. Well, hello. Um, I was going to say welcome back to 1999, but uh, there is a comment in today's story where it's obviously the year 2000 because, yes. yeah, unless Victor's bad at math, uh, yeah, they, this is a year into uh, their voyages through space, I guess. Yeah, because, I mean, the, the, the 1999 in the title refers to uh, when Breakaway happened. So, yeah, almost all of season one and certainly all of season two happens in the years afterwards. Yeah, isn't there all this uh, fandom that have like done the maths on so many days after leaving Earth's orbit? I know, and, yeah, and, there's yeah. A, lot, a lot of people have added up. Trouble is, it's like Star Trek, isn't it? Because in, I think it, it, season two, it might be sometime in season one, where Helena gives uh, 368 days since we broke away and none of that matches does it none of it ties up so i think you just gotta go with eh. hmm. space warp eh. yeah. yeah well that is especially true especially in here in this yeah. One, yeah yeah because none of this makes much sense timeline wise does it this episode and it's like and then they go we fell into a space warp ah, okay yeah okay. yeah it's that 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 yeah. old get out clause isn't yep. it yeah, yeah the old i mean caveat yeah, on this show, you know, very often we go, well, there's not too much logic to it. Doesn't make an awful lot of sense because it's written for children. But this, this is a bit more adult, isn't it? It's, yeah, this it's... is very much not written for children. Because um, we we often say about UFO, you know, it's like, oh, this is really well written for a children's program. And I don't even think UFO was. I think UFO was aimed at an older audience, wasn't it? And Space 1999 definitely was i mean it appealed i loved it as a kid i didn't really understand what was going on but i loved it um but yeah this this one is it's got some really good adult themes in it um it's quite horrific in places and the, the ideas behind it um so yeah it's it's definitely not you can't you can't go this is a what do you expect for a kids program because i think this is aimed at a bit higher yeah but i don't i don't think they really cared about the you know the dating continuity, and as as they shouldn't, to be fair. No, because it's tell just your, a TV tell show. Tell your story, it? yeah. Tell your story. Tell your story. Yep, yep. It's a Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening. Yep. We watch it, and uh, then we have our tea, and then we go to bed and forget about it. Yeah, it's only modern fans that would get annoyed. You go. I'm never watching this again because this obviously takes place during season two, episode four. If you look at the time. Like, uh, all right, so, take one of those yeah. fanboys, right, yeah. who, who has just said what you've just said, and take them back to, like, well, I don't know, 78, 79. Yep. Who is that person going to tell that to? Their yeah, mum, no I suppose. Yeah. They might, know, it's the they internet might write, that's made people like this. Yeah. The only thing they could do would be to write it down in a letter, send it to Starburst or Starlog, and hope, perhaps, that they might publish it. Or points of view. Eight months later. Yeah, points of view. Right into points of view. That's what fanboys yeah. did back then. Yeah. I mean, back then you would have probably written into clapperboard, wouldn't you? Clapperboard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
It's a shame so many of that, because that's a a show that's pretty much lost as well, isn't it? They they wiped all them. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, why would you keep it? Realistically. Yeah, but I used to love watching Clapperboard, because it's the only time, you know, outside the 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 school holidays you saw a clip from you know Jason and the Argonauts and yeah. then they did one on on Star Wars and you know and but, and there was but, the Space 1999 one wasn't yeah, there yeah there was yeah but realistically you couldn't repeat them could you because most most of them were, it's like film 89 90 what you know fill in the the year you can't repeat them because it's it's like a news program. It's going, you know, here's a clip from Star Wars, the latest film. You can't show that 10 years later. No, Disney so, time was yeah. the same, Disney wasn't time, it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, Disney yeah. time was even worse because after time, they would refer to the bank holiday that it was shown on, wouldn't they? Yeah, so, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And... So, yeah, um, these things were ephemeral. They were they were meant to be watched and then got rid of. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, but I'd love to see some old clapboards. Yeah, that I mean, I mean, on the Blu-ray, the 1999 Blu-ray, there are you know, the, the 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 two two episodes of Clapperboard devoted to set visits are on it, but Ooh. they are of such bad uh, quality because one of them, I think, is somebody's home recording. Yeah, you know, yeah, you know, but at least it exists it's there. Yes, somewhat. Yeah. What was the um? Who hosted Clapperboard? Chris Kelly. Chris Kelly, that was it, yeah. A, a genial big brother uncle type, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah, genial, that's the word. Genial. Yes. I, I always felt he, he looked like he uh, enjoyed the bottle. Yeah, I think there, there was a whole slew of uh, of presenters in that era that you could have picked up from one programme, put in another. And they were, they were genial, wouldn't cause disruption. Nice. Yeah, nice. Your mum would like Brian them. Kant style. You could pick Brian up Kant. In, there you yeah. go. On yeah. the Kant level, yeah. Chris yes. Kelly's about an eight. Yeah, yeah. He, he's on the Kant level. Yeah, um, <laughs> such a Kant. <laughs> what and, a Kant. And, I, and they didn't need a gimmick, did they? Now no. everyone, every presenter's got to have a gimmick and be edgy. Yeah. Um, and back then it was like just do your job, nice. do it professionally, be nice. Yeah, don't scare anyone off. Yeah. Granny's favourite, as they used to call yes, it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, well, we'll better talk about we Space start, 1999. Yeah. We'll lose our listener. Um, before uh, we talk about the episode, uh, Death's Other Dominion, would you like to know what it was uh, called in other countries? Oh, go on. No, I've I, I not heard of any of these. Are they going to be go. mad? <laughs> well, I'll save the maddest um, okay. till, till, till the last, all right? Is one of them from Japan? It's Big Beard Man, Melt Melt, something like that. I have well, you're, you're a mind reader. The most oh, uh, bizarre oh, one is the Japanese one. Yeah, it would be yes. Yeah. Well, it's not. It's not. It's just quite far from Death's Other Dominion. Yeah. All right. Come on. So in Flemish, in Belgium, right. it was Ultima Thule. Makes sense. Makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. In France and Canada, it was Another Realm of Death. Not as poetic, but... No, no. Yeah. Uh, Spain, the other domain of death. Okay. That's sort of probably a literal translation, isn't it? Because yeah. the grammar in Spanish and English are not the same. Yeah. yeah. Then we've got Portugal has death's other domain. Okay. Near Almost. Enough. Yeah. And now we get a bit wobbly. In Italy, the planet of ice. Which is accurate, but very prosaic, isn't it? That's not... Not going to pull you in. That, that that that's like a Fireball XL five title, yes, yeah, isn't it? Okay, then two more to go. South Africa, 
Okay. All right. I'm not trying to pronounce these original language things, uh, even no. the South African, because I'll murder it. Uh, death will reach others. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, strange, but it does sort of fit. Yeah, and in Japan we have mystery of everlasting life. Yeah, they've sort of missed the point there, haven't they? But well, fair enough. Mm. But, yeah, I, I wonder why they they do it with film titles as well, don't they? When they go into a different market and you you alter the film title. I mean, I'm presuming it's it's to appeal to that culture, but. This is that's a weird one. Death's other dominion seems to sum it all up. Yes. Yeah. All right. So that's all out of the way. Shall we? Right. Okay. Shall we? Um, yeah. Let's get going. Let's go, <laughs> go off then. Yes. Let's visit the mystery, mysterious planet of ice. <laughs> yes. Let's go there. When we arrived, whatever we ate made us violently sick. We uh, adapted in time, but the drink is fine. <laughs> it's thoroughly tested. How did you arrive here? Mm. The last news we had of the Uranus probe was Jack Tanner's report that it was breaking up in a proton storm, and that was all some 14 years ago. It is an amazing story. The ship went out of control. Instruments askew, prayers unanswered. We travelled at, at unbelievable speed to the farthest limit of the then-known universe and beyond. Yes. <laughs> Finally, crash landing here. Blessed to be alive. Amen. Before it sticks in my throat. Right. All right, so it starts. And, and I think this is the only time it ever starts with people other than the Alphans. I mean, some, so, some stories start where you've got a spaceship yeah. coming towards the moon. But mostly, so, we start on moon base Alpha, yeah, don't we? Yeah, mostly we start, usually in main mission. But yeah, usually it's the the moon is strolling into someone's uh, area, so that's where it starts. Um, I wouldn't say it never happens, because I'd have to rewatch all the episodes. But yeah, it is an unusual one. Straight straight in with people, and you go, "Who the hell is this?" Yeah, yeah. There was meant to be a little bit more, but uh, yep. I'll tell you about that uh, after we've talked about it and we're in behind the scenes. All right. Okay. So yeah, we, we we've got our main character today, Doctor Roland. Yes. And Mad Jack. Mad Jack Tanner. Yes. He's great. He's very Shakespearean, isn't he, Jack? He gets on my tits. Can I just really? say this? Oh, yeah. I think he's great. I really I always enjoy forget. His just I don't mind his performance, and when he's being serious, when that drops away, yeah. and we get to see the real Jack, he's really, really good. But it's just too in your face well, Shakespearean. I, I, yeah, I sort of compare it to. Uh, some of the Blake Seven characters like this we've had. So um, we had that jester guy. Yeah, um, down in the tents of Goff. Down in the tents of Goff, who was just annoying. There was no... But I, what I really like about Jack Tanner is he's... The actor's obviously a Shakespearean actor, mm. and he can deliver this stuff, and it, it sounds really good. But then, yeah, what you say, uh, he'll be doing it, and you think, oh, mad, he's over to... And drop straight into deadly serious, and it's like, ooh. And yeah, I really, I think he's a, a, a real strength. He's better later yeah. on, but these first scenes, yeah. it's like, oh no, I've forgotten about him. Yeah. Um, yeah. Don't, this opening scene where you've got him and Roland, um, don't, don't you think those ice passages are very Logan's run? Uh, yeah, they're very, I, I, I wonder, I mean, we later on, you know, spoilers, we find out how long they've been here. 
but like like most of the uh most of the problems when you have caves or ice caves and that it's perfectly flat studio floor mm. um but yeah i think i think the sets look pretty good in this um brian is uh incredibly understated i think it's because of jack you reckon that it just wouldn't yeah that's probably a, a good yeah they were sort of compensating or clashing the two yeah. different styles because yeah th- i think this is possibly brian's most understated performance that i can think of it's certainly more understated than, yeah. than his mentor yes role and certainly more understated than his vargas in blake seven yeah, and totally <laughs> uh, uh un- underplayed compared to his flash gordon oh yeah uh, yeah this role. is more this is more softly softly style and it and zed cars yeah which, yeah, so but I, I like him in this. He's, he's sort of he's not he's not the um, cliche shouty Brian. No, and there's no there's no telling at the beginning that you know there's anything untowards with the fella. Um, it's yeah. more Jack, isn't it? Because you know I don't understand. You know Jack goes, that's a moon coming towards us, right? Yeah, <laughs> and neither of them go. How come there's a moon coming towards us? And then Jack's like, that's Earth's moon. And uh, Roland doesn't believe him. Then it goes, hang on a minute, it is Earth's moon. But they don't go, why the bloody hell is Earth's moon coming <laughs> well, towards to be, us? To be fair, when we find out later on what they've been through, I doubt much surprises them now. Yeah, true. You know, they've discovered the secret to immortality. They've gone through a space warp. I mean, I do like the fact that uh, Brian mentions that Jack uh, has prescience. Um, mm. So he can, he, he very, very often correctly foretells the future if you can work out from his ramblings what he's on about. I quite like that. It's very, very um, sort of June, isn't it? Very uh, Paul Atreides. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I, I love it that he's, he's it's almost Star Wars, and it? It's like, that's not a moon. But he's like, he's like uh, no, that's a moon. It's like, hang on, that's our moon. That's our moon. Yeah. yeah. And he goes, well, maybe there's Earthmen up there, and he sends a signal yeah. uh, which... Well, he says, doesn't he? Yeah, he gets a uh, uh, there, yeah, there may be Earthmen, Alpha Moon Base. So yeah, so that immediately tells us that that he knew about Alpha well before they left. Yeah, because I can't remember, um, and we've only done nineteen ninety nine once before. But but Breakaway, when we see you know um, uh, Koenig, uh, you know before he goes up, isn't it said something like he he was there, ex he, he was commander on Moon Base. Years before 1999, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah, I think wasn't Moonbase. I think it was something like 87 or something. Moonbase started. He was commander to set it all up. So yeah, and and the expedition left in 86. So presumably, yeah. much like the um, you know, the probe in in Breakaway, they would have been fully aware that if Moonbase Alpha wasn't up and running, at least it was in development. So yeah, Roland and all the others yeah. know of that. Yeah. I think so, yeah, and they certainly seem to. They certainly seem to know about it. Mm. Um, we get we get a sort of a lot of um, cod Shakespearean dialogue, don't we? In in this opening scene, I like a, a gift wrapped in an enigma. <laughs> yes, yeah, uh, there is a lot of cod Shakespearean. Um, yeah. The the fundamental flaw I have with this story. There's two things. One is, okay. you, you, you know, the way towards the end, Helena and, and Victor are, 
act totally out of character. But yes. also this, I mean, you know, Roland says it's a lost paradise. It's a shithole. Who would choose to live there over Moonbase Alpha and a chance of finally finding somewhere better than this horrible place? Well, they do. I mean, I, I agree with you that I never understood why they were, like in multiple episodes, they were so quick to want to go down to a dumpy planet mm. rather than on the moon base that they know can keep them going. They know what it is. They know everything about it. And they, they reach a planet that's vaguely acceptable and they go, let's move there. Yeah. And it's like this. It's I mean, I I quite like when Helena sort of says it's you know, moon base, that's not a home, it's a barrack. Yeah, that's a good line. It's good it's, it's good and that shows how they feel. Um and I can understand like when they visit places like Black Park and they go, We could move here, you go, Okay. But yeah, this is an absolute shit tip. <laughs> who's who's gonna wanna live on Ultima Thule? It's it's horrible. I mean, mm. you're just going to get covered in foam everywhere you go. Yeah, that's not snow, is it? That's not snow. <laughs> no, we have to. We have to mention this now. I mean, you know, yes. Koenig pilots Eagle One down, yep. and I, I guess it's just expedience of the plot that I thought you had to wear a spacesuit when you piloted an Eagle, but no, yeah. they're they're in their ski wear. Their ski wear. These are just ski jackets with Moonbase. So. so why did they have ski jackets on the moon? On the moon before the moon broke yeah. away. The only the only way, and this is post hoc rationalization, the only way these sort of episodes and Lost in Space and everything works now is because Star Trek introduced the idea of replicators. Ah, uh, and it, and so now you sort of your head can and you go, well, they probably replicated it. Yeah, but no, they this would have required them to. It's a bit like the opening the opening uh, window on moon base and this would require them to go okay so uh, it's really expensive to send stuff to the moon uh what will they need oh well, okay they'll need spacesuits yeah good moon buggies oh excellent yeah take that uh a load of ski wear uh, okay <laughs> possibly does this imply they've got skis there i reckon as well? so yeah i reckon so why and else would they have ski jackets yeah um i love it that they're they're, they're piloting it down and they get basically they get the the eagle can't handle thick fog. No, smog, they call smog, it. Smog, yeah, they call it smog, which is weird because smog is a thing and it's usually industrially it's produced. pollution. Yeah. Um, but, and then, then they go, oh my God, the smog is affecting the instruments. How? Mm. This thing's, eagles are meant to fly in space. Yeah. Surely they're sealed. But also, it's it's affecting the instruments. What are we going to do? We'll let the instruments land it for us. They yeah. switch over yeah. to computer control. That makes no sense. That makes no sense. I love it the minute they uh, they immediately all pile out of the eagle into this. Uh, well, it's meant to be a... Uh, we'll, we'll allow them. It's meant to be a, a horrible snowstorm. But it's just... They're spraying foam yep. uh, at the at the axis. Now, you know, it's, it's a, a, a long-running... Hollywood method of using foam instead of snow. I mean, right back in uh, It's a Wonderful Life, it's quite yeah. obviously that it's foam. But what where it works is when you spray it on the floor and you leave it, you don't tromp through it or spray <laughs> it on your actors. Um, this just looks terrible. It looks terrible. And yeah. it goes on far, far too long. It's this too them long. getting yeah. split up and lost. Well, it they, goes on and it's on weird, and on. Because um, Coney goes... Uh, Someone asked, what happens if we get split up? And he goes, don't worry, use your comlock locator beam. It will find the ship. And it will find the ship. We, none of them, it doesn't work at all. Then they walk off, and literally, 
like Alan disappears. Where's Alan? He goes, oh, I, I wandered over there. What? Why didn't you tie yourself together? <laughs> if you were going up Snowden, you'd probably tie you know, yourself together if it got foggy. Why don't they do it? A simple rope would have solved half this episode's problem. Yeah, yeah. So they, they get split up, but then they get found and they're taken indoors. Um, and yeah. oh, Roland is just about to say it's minus 170 outside, yeah. right? Why are the women in short dresses and furry boots? Yeah, I don't know. So they, they've got this... Um... They've got this central cave where they all seem to sleep and eat and live. It's paradise, um, isn't it? Paradise, yeah. And it's just one very, cave. very small cave. They've got this weird fire pit thing in the middle, yeah. which it's never explained what it is, but presumably it keeps it warm enough that the women have to wander about in Raquel Welsh fur bikinis. And furry boots. Yeah, but none of the men are. Nope. The men nope. are wearing leather jerkins and jumpers. Yeah. It's, yeah, I, it's all a bit dodgy. It's all a bit seventies. Well, um, we do well, see Valerie Leon though. Yay! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, Blimey, you know, on our Doctor Who thing, we have a down blousey yeah. tally. Oh my god! Yeah, that, cool. That would blow the meter, wouldn't it? The Matron smog would get to put it. them away. Um, um, so dodgy yeah. tally one, yes, for for just yeah. blatant sexism of women going around in in, as you say, uh, Raquel Welch bikinis. Yes. Yes, definitely. Because if the, if the men were in little leather shorts, can you imagine? Bless <laughs> you, with his um, belly hanging over it. You oh, can't no. say you can't say we keep this so hot down here. We've got to because everyone, like I say, this is literally we've got to have some crumpet. Yeah, we need for the dads. Some, yeah, we need something to put in the radio time, uh, the TV times. Um, something for the dads. Um, yeah, it's it's definite. Definite goes on the uh, the dodgy tally. This. Yeah, yeah. And all right, so we got a dodgy tally of one for them wearing the dresses. I'm putting another point on it for uh, Valerie's dumplings almost spilling out. Yes. It it, it it's much like you know the um, you know when Peter Davison's doctor is dying and Perry's there, you know, cradling him. It's hard to take your eyes away from certain things on the screen. It, it, it is, yes. <laughs> I bet so. Martin Lando wasn't happy yeah. with that, that. Hang on a minute. Yeah. <laughs> Who's that woman spilling out right well, next to like, my face? <laughs> it's like Colin said, isn't it? You could, you could be the best actor in the world, but no one's watching you. No. And it's true here. <laughs> um, I, I know later on they mentioned that there's an ox-like creature. Yes. Um, I don't know how it survives up in the phone. Uh, and a cold weather, but is that where they get the chamois leather from? Because all the women are like in chamois leather, aren't they? Well, a question I had yeah. for much later is: we find that they are immortal. They've been there for eight hundred and eighty years. Yes. The the people that aren't in chamois leather, that's blooming hard wearing clothing they've got. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I mean, because we never see could be budget, but we never see like they've got they've set up looms and things like that, and they're doing their own wool and. Yeah, it, they should all be, at this point, they should all be wearing just leather stuff. Yeah. You know, um, we get another nice sort of card Shakespeare in line. We're well met in time and space. Yep. yep I quite like that. Yep, it's not bad. Uh, I love it that we cut to Alan. Alan, who, who's, a, <laughs> who's meant to be a tip-top astronaut, and he's he got he got lost in the, the, the smog and snow and foam, and he collapsed. And then he, he manages to wake up after spending the night 
freezing to death, looks up, and he's literally six inches away from the eagle. Yeah, yeah. What an yeah. idiot. Yeah. Uh, at that same time he finds the eagle, we're getting this info dump of, you, you know, there was a... a um, uh, a, a space expedition in 1986 to Uranus, yep. Ua. which got uh, which Ua. Um Jack Tanner was the commander of the expedition. Yes. The Uranus probe. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. they want they wanted to probe Uranus, didn't they? They did, but unfortunately, would you want would you want Jack Tanner probing Uranus? Depends which Jack Tanner. There's yeah. two Jack Tanners we've got here, haven't, That's uh, haven't true. we? Yeah. yeah. But it broke up in a proton storm. Yes. And they travelled at enormous speed past Uranus. Yes. Uranus the... was in the rearview mirror yeah. at this point. Yeah, rapidly. Uh, rapidly uh, diminishing. Yeah. To the limit of the universe and beyond. Yes. Finally crashing here. Yeah. That, that's, <coughs> that's nonsense, Brian, what you're spouting. Yeah, you're talking bollocks, mate. Yeah. Um, but you have to wave it over, don't you? Otherwise, none of this makes sense. You go, oh, was it? Okay, yeah. Well, oh, it was 880 Tony years ago. Yeah. He's forgotten it, I yeah, well, he could be. Yeah, he could be. Could His be memory's a bit hazy. Talking crap, yeah. Yeah, we first find out something's wrong with Roland because um, he nobbles the radio, doesn't he? He does, yeah. He because doesn't, Alpha starts yeah. calling. Uh, yeah, we finally meet Paul. Like, oh, finally, in this episode. Um, we find out that Moonbase uh, has ceramic mugs. Yeah. Always good. I don't know where they got them from. Um, and yeah, Brian, they they try and contact and Brian doesn't want talk at the moment. So he, he breaks the, the the radio with the good old, uh, we saw this in Death of the Daleks, didn't we? Those good old pull-out yeah. uh, panels. Yeah, I remember them. Everyone thought computers would have. Mm. How come on this, like, I don't know if you've ever uh, tried to upgrade your desktop PC. And just putting a graphics card in is like 15 hours of sweating under the desk and <laughs> it never fits. You can't... All these space... They just pull it out, push it back in. We used to have them on our um, uh, sound racks in the cinema. Did you? You used to pop down the panel and, yeah, you had these circuit boards which uh, slid out and there was always a spare one at the side. So yeah. if, if, if one of them failed, you did literally pull it out like that and, and shove another no, one right. in. That seems a much better idea. Yeah, yeah. Now it's all uh, solid state, isn't it? It Check is. Check it away yeah. Now, yeah. yeah. Another question, yep. talking about electronics and stuff like that, is Alan, when he wakes up yep. in, in the uh, Eagle, he's got some sort of camera that can show him the top of the Eagle. Yeah. Where's that camera? I don't know. Sh- it, I mean, you could get away with it now saying there's a drone, but the Eagle's having trouble taking off, so how would the drone work? Hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. And what is interstellar radio? <laughs> radio that travel. I mean, that would be All the most radio travels thing. out into space. It does, it not? but the speed it's going would mean you would have years, centuries between saying something and getting an answer. Yeah. Um, pointless. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Alan tries to lift off, doesn't he? But there's too much foam. Uh, I mean, snow uh, about. <laughs> um, but he's he's immediately written off everyone, isn't it? Paul says, "Where's where's everyone else?" He goes, "They're all dead." Yeah. He doesn't know. Yeah, there's nothing there. He the others must be dead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He survived by singing in yeah. the in in, yeah. in the smog, and then uh, yeah, sleeping in minus hundred and seventy. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's where we find out. You know, that's when we have that scene where um, you know Helena says, 
that's not our home. It's a barracks. Yeah, and, really and, yeah. yeah, yeah. And we find out about the ox and that they that they had seeds on board their spaceship, and that's that's where they get their yeah. vegetation from. Um, I'm presuming Victor they're... seems so impressed with that, doesn't he? Yeah. It's like, what do you do on Moonbase then? Yeah, I mean, they show him basically a hamster cage with some leaks in. And he's like, yeah, Victor's really weird in this. He's really weirdly written. And Helena, because, yeah. you know, that's when it comes out that they've been there yeah. 880 years. They're sterile. Victor takes a look at their computer and he, he seems to think that backs it all up. And then Roland comes in. It's like, oh, well, I need you for an experiment because I need people that aren't immortal. Yes. For my experiment, and it's like, oh, yeah, let's go, goes Victor and Helena. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'll throw in with that. Um, going back to this eight hundred and eight years thing, so they say we we we've been here for eight hundred and eight years. Uh, the year is actually twenty eight seventy. So is that the same? Is that the year for Moonbase as well? Is Moonbase now in twenty eight seventy, and they've gone through a time warp? Well, they they might have gone through a time warp, but I I I, I just got the impression the um their phoenix ship went through the time warp to 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 right. moonbase alpha it's still just a year on oh so so the phoenix ship went back in time by 808 years yeah and now they've and been found crashed. yeah yeah uh, okay maybe maybe yeah um we get yeah, to see I'm... the phoenix don't we they show well, we see something, don't we? And, I, yeah. and, and, and Roland says it's been made from the remains of the Phoenix. Yeah. Um, this Phoenix expedition, that, that's a lot of people for one expedition. I thought that, because they, they, we, we've, seen, we've seen a few probes, haven't we, um, in Space 1999. So you've got like, uh, Dragon's Domain, yeah. um, you've got the Meta Probe, and it's usually sort of four or five people, a yeah. small scientific unit. They seem to have sent like 30 or 40 a people village. on this. Yeah, a whole village. Which is weird for a probe. Yeah. If it was a uh, like a um a colonizing mission. You go, okay, that makes sense. And who who chose the personnel? Mm. For this, who went, well, we got to have some dolly birds. Yeah, what does Valerie Leon do? <laughs> yeah. Oh. I mean, we we're, we're being very sexist there. She might be a top-notch scientist who happens to wear a chamois leather bikini yeah that girl in the red dress she's barely got anything on either has she no yeah i don't know what's hmm. it's, uh, perhaps he just got bored i don't know um perhaps they all sleep together so you never know uh brian says he wants to be a god he always yeah. wants to be a bloody god and and he says that oh, we're going to go out into the stars we will be yeah. like gods and you know helena and victor are still like well hey let's yeah, go oh, let's no, go yeah. no alarm bells are ringing for victor and helena it they, does they for must, Koenig. When, yeah. Koenig, he's... I mean, I always like Koenig, because he's immediately... What What are these people up to? He never trusts anyone. And that's really good for a, a commander in this situation. Yeah. You know, because otherwise every week you're going to get, you know, conned. I would love to... Uh, I, I imagine in their time, Victor and Helena have purchased many a bridge, haven't they? London Bridge, yeah, well, okay. Um, <laughs> they seem incredibly gullible in this. I it's... know we've only got 45 minutes, but it's like these are usually such strong characters. Usually Helena's the one that says, no, no, no. And usually this, Victor's it's, it's on, on John's yeah. side, isn't yeah. he? Yeah, this is... I wonder if this was an early script. Well, it's written by yeah. somebody who doesn't really know the show. Again, right. uh, yeah. behind-the-scenes bit for you. Um but uh, yeah, um, Jack 
notices that Koenig is suspicious and he leads him off to this cave, doesn't he, of damaged yes. people. And this is real this is where it gets into suddenly, you know, really horrific territory because yeah, they Brian's basically experimenting on these people. He's trying to work out why are they immortal. Mm. Um and he's he's basically destroyed their minds. In normal situations, he would have killed them. But you can't kill anyone. No one dies. But that you've got these people with massive amounts of brain damage just wandering around. It's it's quite horrific. Yeah, as Jack so, uh, says, this is our version yeah. of death. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's, it, it really does sort of... It's that body horror idea, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and we find out that Jack was the first to be experimented on. That was nice of Roland, yeah. the, the, the yeah. commander of the mission. Yep. Is the first to be experimented on, um, or maybe Jack volunteered? You know, that's a, a very Kirk-like yeah. thing. Yeah, I'll, I think I'll, I think I'll, Jack I'll, probably I'll would have volunteered. But at what point would you stop? I know there's, you know, the, you, you're going on to the idea of medical ethics, things like that. But this isn't Earth. This isn't where they've got pretty much unlimited guinea pigs. This is a limited number of people desperately hanging on on this disgusting planet of foam, even though they're immortal. At what point would Brian go, mm, well, I've I've caused brain death for five people. Mm. I'm going to stop. He just seems to carry on. It's like, what? I don't quite know what he's trying to work out. Well, you know, it, it, they've been there 800 years. I mean, those yeah. say there's eight people. He might only try it once every 100 years. Do you think, you think he, get, yeah, he, he forgets and he goes... I've had a great idea. I'm going to work out why we were more... Oh, God, not us again. Uh, I don't yeah. know why this uprising happens all of a sudden. It seems to be concurrent with, um, you know, uh, Koenig finding out about the cave. Suddenly we're back in the main cave and uh, there's yeah. a mini-riot going on with Victor yeah, we, in a box. Yeah, we... Um, this It sort of comes from nowhere, innit? We don't... We know that Jack is against Brian. And that woman who yeah, looks woman, after yeah. him. But then it suddenly goes to it goes all violent. None of us really support him, but he's he's almost a dictator. And how he talks Victor into getting into that box, <laughs> and why Helena went along. I mean, she was so careful in the Christopher Lee episode, weren't she? I got to test everything. Yeah. In it now, nah, Victor getting a box. It's a stupid looking box yeah. as well. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. Uh, it, it doesn't make you think that he's doing anything clever, does it? No. <laughs> Just go in the box. Um. Alan turns up, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. Eagle and One has returned. Yeah. I love this because this needs to go on the list as well. Eagle One returns, and Alan comes in. He, he and it cuts to a close up of his face, and he's like, I, "I don't see what the problem is, Commander. This seems great." And then it pulls back, and he's got Valerie Leon and a couple of the Dolly Birds sat on his lap. Yeah, and he's like, "Nah, this is paradise for me. I'm going to stay." Hey, oh, yeah. God, yeah. So. <laughs> Alan, Alan, Alan. And that's when it starts turning into this argument, yeah. doesn't it? You know, um, yes. Koenig's the only one that doesn't want to stay. And Roland says the Alphans should choose whether they're going to yeah. stay or not. But Koenig's like, no, no, well, no, Ko no. Koenig it's all or nothing. A, we yeah. all, either all of us go or none, or of, none us of us go. And he's absolutely right. He, he says this in a few episodes. It's like Moonbase Alpha needs everyone to function. You can't yes. let... They, this isn't a democracy. And I like this because it's not a democracy. And I, I used to like the original Trek for this where Kirk would 
you'd have people arguing. They'd go, well, you know, this isn't democracy. I'm the captain. You do what I say. And it really annoys me a bit that they talk Koenig into doing a vote. And especially because it's Victor pushing for it. It's like, oh, this isn't my Victor. This this is a different Victor. But yeah, Koenig basically goes, we'll, we'll, we'll give everyone a vote. Um, and whatever the majority decision is, we'll come and live on this shitball planet um, with Valerie Leon. Um, yeah, and it's, it's like, Koenig, just stick up for yourself, mate. Hmm. All right, what happens next then? Um, yeah, Jack, because he knows what the situation. Yes. Jack knows, um, you, you know, what will happen if anybody leaves uh, yeah. the planet. It, yeah, he's it, seen it, hasn't he? He knows yeah. it, but he I says mean, death has yeah. dominion. You yeah. know, because says... yeah, they they mentioned Brian Blessed mentioned fraud in he, that death has no dominion here, um, and then Jack sort of saying, if you leave, then death will have dominion. Um, I, and I think has he actually has he told uh, Roland this before? As Roland, you know, because they're building the, well, the Phoenix Mark II. Well, Roland is all for leaving and going out into yeah. the stars. So if yeah. Jack has said it, he's completely discounted it, hasn't he? Yeah, which is a bit strange because so far Jack's been right on everything. Yeah, <laughs> you know, he's like, well, this one thing he might be wrong on. Um, so I don't know. I don't, perhaps Jack didn't tell him. It's a bit naughty of Jack, but I don't. Perhaps I don't blame him. Mm. But yeah, he um, Jack insists that because originally they're going to take the woman in red, aren't they? The yeah is uh, uh, Jack's friend, and he's like, no, 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 you can't go. You definitely got to go in. Take <laughs> take uh, Brian instead. Yeah, because he yeah. says to uh, to um, Koenig when Koenig pleads yeah. with him to say you, you, you know what's going on and he says that Thor is a is a jealous woman yeah and will never let them go um and it doesn't because you know roland goes with them he's holding yeah. on to um you know helena's hand as and we cut to alan saying I, I usually follow you commander but not this time yeah that's that's a nice little scene because sort of koenig he basically says, I hope I can count on you, Alan. And Alan's like, nah, no. mate. <laughs> Did you see uh, them down yeah. there? <laughs> yeah. Did you see the cleavage? Um, and it's quite nice because it's like, I don't know why Koenig ever trusts these people again. Because mm. they keep letting him down. Um, and then we get like the, the a hysterical scream, don't we, from Helena. Um, finally doing some acting, Barbara Bain. Uh, and yeah, oh, Brian's melted away. It's um, a shocking ending. That is graphic. Yeah. I mean, quite rightly, everybody says about how horrific the dragon yeah. is in Dragon's Domain, but a lot of people forget. Yeah. Yeah, Brian's demise. That that that's worthy of uh, the Incredible Melting Man. Oh, which, it, yeah. This which is... was must have been being made around about the same time. Yeah. And it is it is shockingly. Horrific, isn't it? It is. It's it's horrible because I mean it's a great effect. It's a really good body. I quite like the way it's steaming slightly. Yeah. But what what's sort of horrific as well is Brian wasn't that bad. But I know he he caused you know the the horrible suffering of of five or six people. But he meant well. It's not like he's if it was Vargas, you'd go he deserved that. But yeah. I don't think he deserved this. And that's why I'm thinking, Jack, you didn't... Oh, you naughty boy, you didn't tell him. Did Jack just want him out of the way? That is Jack interesting. very then. rapidly uh, loses his madness, doesn't he? 
in right. the next scene. What have you you have just said has has caused me pause to what yeah. I'm actually going to call this episode because I right. had Roland down as the the villain of the piece, right. but no, I think you're right. Yeah. I think Jack is the villain. Yeah, well, I I I was watching it this time and I th- I thought he's not told him, is he? Because even if he'd have told him in his weird, like he told Koenig, I can't see Brian just dismissing it. No. So I think he's... And then suddenly we get the final scene where they're talking on the radio. And, and Jack's back to normal. Back to normal. So yeah. was it all an act just for Roland? Well, I to... think it might have been, yeah. I think it, I think Jack was back to normal quite a bit, quite a few years ago. And I, I think he was sort of playing the fool. And yeah, I... He's, I don't think he's quite as clean as we think. Oh, I that I I not thought yeah. about that. Jack Tanner is actually the villain of the of the tale. I think so. Well, he's, even if even if he's not the villain, he's culpable. He killed Brian. Yeah, I he, he's he's dodgy. He's definitely a bigger villain, I think. Cause, yeah, because I think. Brian Blessed, if Brian had played it as his normal type part, you'd go, okay, he's mad. But what he's saying is quite sensible from a scientific point of view. He could bring immortality to the universe. He could, yeah, and depending on your ethics is whether, because I I doubt they force these people. They never say that, like, Brian rounded him up. He's got no stormtroopers or... It seems to be running everything pretty much as a a democracy. Um, so these people presumably volunteered, and we only get Jack's point of view that yeah that you know th- this is the case. So yeah, I don't know. It's it, and that's what I like about this one. It's one of those episodes where you can think about it for a long time. Yeah, you're making me think. Yeah, yeah. dodgy man he is. Yeah. What do you think happened to them? They just go off into eternity, never yeah. aging. Because Jack says we're going to redirect our research now to try and help the others, you know, yeah. um, <coughs> bring them back. <clears throat> but they're all still immortal, and none of them can leave the planet, ever. No, they're, they're stuck there forever, presumably, you know, uh, assuming they are immortal and not just very, very long-lived, they're there forever. Well, maybe um, the planet might warm up. It might be going through an ice age, and you know they come out the yeah. other side of it, and uh, they and the Could ops be, yeah. can all roam free. The because um, the other thing is like he says, um, no, we're going to change direction of our research. Why couldn't they do both? Hmm? If Jack is going to investigate what's wrong with these people, and like say again, he's very, very uh, normal at this point. Um, why didn't he? volunteered to do that before did they only have four test tubes or something maybe the plan was he just wanted to get rid of roland i think so i think he wanted to be in charge i think so he's uh koenig and that have basically uh just helped to coup yeah dodgy very interesting yeah dodgy it's it it's so uh um you know lightweight the, the goodbyes they're like bye yeah see, see you then, then. yeah <laughs> toodle pip <laughs> nice visiting yeah I, I do find i mean like i say we've got 45 minutes in it and i do, i always find that the uh the ends of 1999 are pretty perfunctory and it? it's like the adventure's over okay off we go 
It, it ends almost with a laugh, but we don't have the freeze yeah. frame laugh, do we? No, that would have been pushing it too far, I think, wouldn't it? Yeah. You're going to help the brain dead people. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah but uh, yeah, I wonder what happened. I wonder what life was like under King Jack. Uh, we'll never know, I don't think. No. No. All right. So that's the story done. Yep. All right. So <clears throat> let me just sit up a bit straighter. So um, this story then, as I say, was written by somebody who didn't really know Space 1999. And her name is right. Eliz Elizabeth Barrows. Yeah, I didn't recognize the name from other Anderson shows or anything. No, her name's Elizabeth Barrows. She wrote it alongside her husband, Anthony Turpeloff. That's mm -hmm. why he's on there as well. Uh, they did go on to write one more uh, Space 1999 story, and that was The Infernal Machine. Uh, I know the title. I can't think what the episode is. That's the one with Gwent, isn't it? Is it? With that um, walking ship. Yeah. Leo oh, McKern. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, but, right, I thought this is interesting. She had previously been married to another scriptwriter. Right. An American script writer called Robert Guy, Guy Barrows. That's how come she got that surname. Who had written a script called Snowball in Hell, uh, an early Mission Impossible, featuring, oh, right. you know, Barbara Bain and Martin yeah. Landau. So there's a and connection there. Snowball in Hell. So was it on a, in an, on an icy It might. Country? It might have been. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, of course, yeah, this is a total uh, uh, remake, science fiction remake of Lost Horizon. Isn't yes, it? yeah. Uh, this is Shangri-La. And of course, yeah, there was a... <laughs> but there was a Michael York remake, there wasn't was, there? Yes, out, yeah. out the year before they made this. Yep. So so maybe that's that, where it that, came from. I reckon it would. I mean, um, what's really interesting, other than Lost Horizon, like the 19, was it 30s or 40s one, all of them have been horrendous flops. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Every single one. I, I, no, I, I, I have yeah. no interest in seeing another version, should no, they do yeah. it. Uh, yeah, there's a cut scene at the start where they arrive at the planet and, and then dismiss it because it's like, no, it's just, it, it's an ice ball. Yeah. And that's when we then cut to Jack and, and That Roland. would have been like, quite nice to keep in. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, uh, their ski wear that they've got, yeah. their ski wear goggles, uh, you can clearly see the, the name Uvex, yep. which was a popular uh, ski goggle company back in the so 70s. So again, that suggests that they shipped ski wear to Moonbase Alpha. Mm. What the hell? Presumably uh, in Switzerland, there was a, a science research station that had space suits. <laughs> what the hell is going on? Yes. Uh, the Phoenix model, um, yep. you know, the, the new one built by Martin Bauer. Like I say, I'm, I'm, I'm not keen on it. I mean, we don't see much of it, no, but it, it's, it's kind of featureless, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, apparently that was an existing uh, fiberglass shell that Martin had. Oh, and right, he, right. he cut it open um, and then backed up all the girder work with, um, you know, the, um, uh, what was it called? The Fala kit. You know, they did the, 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 the bridge the, oh, for, for the yeah. model railway company, yeah, yeah. That, there's an awful lot of that going on there. Um, music again is being reused um, in this story. We've got from Thunderbirds, End of the Road, and Edge of Impact. Yeah, there's music cues, and um, from Joe Ninety, Big Fish, and Arctic oh. Adventure. Oh, uh, music from them. All right, so that's that. Um, what else have I got? Oh yes, quotes now for for, right. for you. All right. Uh, from Barry Morse. Oh, okay. He says, 
In Death's Other Dominion, I was obliged to spend the day struggling through a studio blizzard. I evidently managed to get through it all right. It was very comical, comical that snowstorm, and gave rise to a lot of giggles, especially from Brian Blessed. <laughs> Dear Brian and I had some testing moments playing together because you would only have to give the slightest twinkle of your eye and Brian would be off giggling. We had a wonderful time. I also remember John Shrapnel playing his character rather like the fall from King Lear. The entire episode had a rather Shakespearean tone to it. Okay. Right, and then we've got a quote from Sylvia Anderson. right? Right. And then Keith Wilson. Right, and they're basically talking about the same thing, right? So Sylvia Anderson said, When we were preparing for the show, there were a lot of strikes going on, so we only had so many days a week that we could work, and we brought our own generators into Pinewood Studios. One day I walked in, and they were building this fantastic futuristic set of the ice caves for Death's Side of the Dominion, and I said, My God, nobody can work in this. They were using embalming fluid to build the set. I said, we can't do this. Everyone said, don't say anything. Wait for the actors to come on. Anyway, Martin Landau and Barbara Bain came on, and within seconds, they were absolutely falling about and came over to me saying, what's happening? What's happening? So we had to do something about that. Right? Well, so what was it? Making them drunk or something? Well, Keith Wilson then elaborates, okay? He says, the cheapest set I did was, was for the ice one with Brian Blessed. It was the ice palace, the interior. I built it out of rubbish, literally. We walked around the lot and we picked up rubbish and we constructed, I would say, a little bit more here, an archway there. And once it was built out of literally rubbish, we sprayed it all with this foam. It went crispy, but it left, I think, formaldehyde. And it gave off a smell. For a few minutes, it would make your eyes water. On Friday, the set was being finished and Martin and Barbara just wandered in to see what they were going to be shooting on on Monday. Martin went, what's that smell? And somebody said, oh, it's formaldehyde. It'll give you cancer, that will. (laughs) We're shooting the next, we're shooting the bloody thing on Monday. Martin went wild. He left the stage. He went to Jerry and he said, this set will give me cancer. We had to get scientists in to take tests and confirm it was safe. And it went on all over the weekend. I had finished the set, but I had to work all weekend because if we couldn't shoot on it, we had nothing to shoot on Monday. During this period, when we had scientists there taking tests, there were a couple of riggers sitting there having their lunch on the set. They were eating shrimp sandwiches or something, and the scientists said to them, does this smell worry you? And they said, what smell? They'd been working in on it, and they'd got used to it, but it was a great worry. It was one of the biggest worries on the series because I thought, what the hell are we going to (laughs) do? So yeah, formaldehyde was being given off by that phone. That's interesting, because um, uh, very near the end of his life, uh, Bela Lugosi would quaff formaldehyde to give him a buzz, because he was such an alcoholic that you know there wasn't much left that would uh, give him that sort of high. And then Martin Lando went on to play him. Yeah, so I, I hadn't thought of that Formaldehyde connection. connection. We'll have to have a new count. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the count! Hey! Uh. <laughs> oh, dear. And uh, last bit I've got for you is that uh, um, in Roman times, Thule is an island six days sail from Britain and was considered the most northerly part of the world. Where is it then? Is it a real island? Well, they think they might have been referring to Norway or Uh, Iceland. Okay. And uh, Virgil, the poet Virgil, um, used the term Ultima Thule in the poem Georgics, meaning the uh, end of the world, i.e. Um, the limit of the world, the edge of yeah, the world. The edge okay. of the world, yeah. 
and um, and then finally a 30 kilometer diameter irregularly shaped object in the Kuiper belt which is beyond Neptune yep. uh, was named Ultima Thule in 2018 okay very good I'm sure there was a, a computer game called it as well was there for the spectrum yeah okay uh, back to our, our, our tallies uh, yep. yep before we started today Space 1999 was the only one that didn't have anything dodgy. They had a yeah. dodgy tally of zero, but today it's it's garnered three. All right, which uh, is the same place that Fireboy XL5 and Thunderbirds have really? at the moment. Oh, so right. neck and neck. Yep. Then we have uh, our death tally of one. Yep. Oh, Brian, there. So that puts Space 1999's death tally to 72. All right. Um, and I think we have to vote on Roland, or if we vote on Jack Tanner, we've got to talk about Brian, because I've done all my research on Brian, no, and not, we're, yeah, not we'll John vote, Shrapnel. We'll vote on uh, Brian, I think, because right, my, my theory is just a theory, so until it's oh, right. proven. Well, listener, if you yeah. disagree, let yeah. us know on Facebook. So, Brian Blessed, then, I mean, what can you say yeah. about Brian Blessed? Um, you've met him, haven't you? Yes, yeah, I've met him a couple of times. He watched me... Um, Changed trousers in a car park once. <laughs> I was um, getting out of my uh, Judge Dread leathers in the car park because there was no changing rooms at the con, and uh, Anne tapped me on the shoulder and I turned around and Brian Blessed is just watching. <laughs> so, okay, okay, whatever. Was he watch, watching, you know, avidly or just he, I mean, he was you know, glancing I, over? He was glancing over. He was uh, probably thinking more what the hell was going on there than. Uh, Four, but, <laughs> you know. I've only met him the once. Take your thrills where you can. <laughs> yeah. I, w- I was trooping at a uh, film and uh, Comic Con, and um, I- I- I've got to dig the photo out. I have got a photo of me and him, and I- it was when I had my Grindon outfit, you know, from Star yep. Wars, you know, the long nosed spy. And uh, I was, y- y- you know, when you're in the UK garrison, the 501, you have changing private changing rooms away from the yeah. public and I was walking down the corridor to go back out on onto the floor and he was coming out the green room and he was bladdered oh my really? god he was bladdered the photo I'll put up I've <laughs> never seen anyone with eyes as red as that it's like all right Brian yeah. can I have a he photo sure, it wasn't he... the same con he might have red eyes because he was watching me he changed <laughs> You made his eyes bleed. Yes. Oh my God! My yes. Eyes so um, no, no. Lo- I was lo- just lovely thinking, guy. How, how do you tell a drunk Ryan Blessed from a normal Brian Blessed? By the most, colour of yeah. his eyes, I suppose. By the colour of his eyes. Um, yeah. Very. Um, he's, he's one of those true nature's raconteurs. Just keeps a room enthralled. He's brilliant. Absolutely. Yeah. Can't tell what he's going to say next, and it's usually inappropriate. But no one takes offence. No, and exactly, yeah. And, also, uh, an amazing man. Yeah, yeah. You know. I remember um, a couple of years ago, he he was going to the Marlowe Theatre in Canterbury, and it was you know an audience with Brian Blessed. And I remember the advert saying, "This is Brian Blessed. We cannot guarantee <laughs> the, yeah. what subject he will yeah. talk about. Uh, you know, discretion is is advised if you're bringing younger people because we yeah. don't know be, be what he's going to do." He, wasn't he? <laughs> I can't remember whether it was actually was it he was in the record books or not, but his his lung capacity was well above the average, wasn't it? It um, he had phenomenal. I'm not surprised. Lung capacity, yeah. 
He, he, he's in the record books. He's the oldest yeah. person to have reached both the geographical North Pole and the nor- magnetic yeah. North Pole. Yeah, he was, um, when we saw him, I don't know whether he ever did it, but he was training to go up to the uh, the space station. Mia. Yeah, he, he hasn't to be gone. the oldest astronaut. He hasn't gone yet. No. Um, but, I can't uh, see it happening. No. Yeah. I love how York, York University, right, in 2011, um, because of his, you know, reputation for his booming voice, it, it, they named its newly built study centre the Brian Blessed Centre for Quiet Study. Ah, <laughs> I don't know if Brian went along to to open it. But it he, he would have liked that, wouldn't he? He would have loved it. I um, I would love to have him as a sat nav. Yeah, that would be brilliant. Yeah, that uh, would he's, be he's good. He's one of one of the UK's truly great eccentrics. Yeah. Yeah, and great on the old chat show circuit. Yeah. He loves know. animals. He's a big animal. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, I love this. Um, it says in 1950, he was 14, and he went to the, the Second World Peace Congress in Sheffield. Right. And he met Pablo Picasso. And right. this young, precocious Brian challenged Picasso to do a drawing for him. <laughs> so Picasso drew a dove of peace. Dove of peace. Yeah. Um. And uh, basically, Brian went, oh, that's shit. I can do better. And, and drew one, right? Yeah. And uh, Which made Picasso laugh. Um, but uh, And Brian wouldn't accept the uh, the drawing that Picasso oh, had done God. for him. He was fortune. Yeah, his dad went mad <laughs> yeah. when he got home. He said, Picasso tried giving me a drawing. Uh, no, I yeah. said it was rubbish, and I didn't take it. I just imagine his dad going, if Pablo Picasso gives you a drawing in the future, just take it. Yeah. And this, I, I would love, I, I mean, I love Anthony Hopkins. I, I think yeah. Anthony Hopkins is great. But it was Brian who was Kenneth Branagh's first choice to play Odin really? in Thor. I I could see that. It, it, it would have been, yeah. you know, uh, the Flash Gordon Brian, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, it would have. Yeah, it would have been. Without the wings. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah. All right. So, so was sticking with Brian. Is uh, Jerry yeah. Anderson tally is three. Um, of course, twice in space, nineteen ninety nine. Yeah. And then that strange movie, The Day After Tomorrow. Oh right. Yeah. I've never seen that. You've never seen it. No, never seen it. It is so boring. Even yeah. though you've got Brian Blessed and Alan Carter in it. Yeah. You know, and fantastic model work by uh, Martin Bauer. Is so boring. Was it? It was a pilot or something. Wasn't it was it? a pilot, yeah. and it was meant to be educational. It was a way, mm. a TV series where you can educate children. You oh know, like never, Doctor Who initially that never started. Never goes off well, does it? No, no. Um, <laughs> and then his ITC tally, um, much like old Craig Collins, old yep. Darren Nesbitt, Brian Blessed was, you know, for for, for a large chunk anyway, the uh, you know an ITV boy. I know he went yes, on to do Z cars for the BBC, but he did an awful lot of ITV, um, but not an awful lot of ITC, right? right. So his ITC tally is four, um, which is Ghost Squad, uh, an early show of theirs back in 1962, um, a detective show. Then he was in the Avengers two times, um, right. playing different people, and then he was in one episode of Randall and Hopkirk. Okay. Right. I suppose the trouble is he's. Um very memorable so it's difficult to have him playing multiple parts in it yeah you know in the same show you got you got to give enough time for people to forget he was in it yes uh, yeah that, that that's that's a good uh, 
That's a good reason. Yeah. All right. So, all right then, Doctor Roland. Yes. What, what do you think for his design? Uh, I like his outfit. Uh, I like his leather jerkin. I do now think, like, where does all the rest of it come from? If it's eight hundred years, it well, would nearly nine hundred yeah, years. Nearly nine hundred years. I mean, there's not there's not much cloth left from nine hundred years ago, is it? It rots. Yeah. Um, especially in those conditions. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I like it. I like it. It's subdued, but it's different enough, um, and it's not mad like his mentor get up. Um, so I'm going to give him a, a seven and a half. Seven and a half. I gave him a six because it's nothing special, is it? No, I imagine it came out of stock. To be fair. Yeah. All right. So you give him seven and a half. I give him six. Equals that. Divided by two equals. So that's six point seven five. Yeah. Right for design, and how effective is Brian? Um, of his two appearances, I think this is by far the better. Um, I suppose it depends if you if you like over the top Voltan. This is probably not the performance to you, but if you want a, a really good, this reminds me of his appearance in Survivors season three. It's very subdued, very good, very he's a good actor. And um, yeah, I like I like this. Uh, I like Roland. He gets a horrible end. Uh, I'm going to give him an eight. That's what I gave him. Yeah. Do you think it's somewhere after this? Because by the time he appears, you know, in '78 in Blake Seven, yeah, Vargas, he he had adopted his whole shouty yes. performance. Yeah. So somewhere between somewhere here between and this there, and Blake Seven, yeah, something happened. Was he in I Claudius? He was, but that was before this, wasn't oh, that it? Was before, or I was what, it after? Yeah, I wonder what the role was where he went. I can get away with this. <laughs> I'm going to treat everything like I'm in yeah. panto when I'm playing to the back row. Because I imagine it must have been frustrating because it, it must have got to the point where he would show up for a part, research it, and then the director goes, no, just play it shouty. You know, like JNT when he was in Doctor Who and that. Yeah, it must, it, it must have been galling. But, yeah. Because he, he really was a good actor. Yeah, exactly. So really yeah. wide range. Yeah. Yep, so that's a final tally of 7.4. For Doctor Roland, yeah. uh, which puts him in a caravan all by himself. Probably good. Yeah, nearest to him is seven point five um, from last time. Craig Collins is in. Ah, oh, so Craig's going to be here in everything, isn't he? He is. Yeah, he's in the next caravan. Oh yeah. dear, it's going to be interesting to see where Mentor's caravan is. Yes, it in will the be. Park. Yeah. Now yeah. that's a different pair of episodes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My um, God. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we can't do a, a vehicle tally, really. We didn't see no. enough of of that the Phoenix ship. No, we don't really get an idea of what it is or what it actually looks like. Yeah. Um, and we've got a new tally here because between our very first episode on Space 1999 and now, um, we've had a suggestion from one of our um, friends on Facebook, one of our oh. loyal followers, Mickey Rat. Uh, good old Mickey. Good old Mickey. Hello, Mickey, because I know you're listening. Um, Mickey suggested after... Our first uh, look at Space 1999. Shall we have a tally? Let's record the destruction of the Eagles. Oh, okay, yeah. All right. And that's a blooming good idea, Mickey. So yep. we're doing it. And uh, so I had to go back and watch Breakaway again, which right. wasn't exactly a hardship, um, because I thought maybe we get a destroyed Eagle here, but we don't. It just gets covered up in unconvincing snow and yeah. takes it gets off and back, comes back. Yeah, it gets back to Moonbase. I mean, Alan probably crashed it at Moonbase, but we don't see it, so we can't count it. No. So our yeah. eagle list, as it stands, is just from Breakaway, and that was 
Eagle 6 crash landed. Yeah. A remote controlled Eagle crash landed and an unknown numbered Eagle is blown up just before yeah. everything goes up. So yeah, we've got three destroyed or damaged Eagles so far. All right. That's not bad really, is it? No. I think that'll go up as we go along quite a bit. Yes, yeah. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see, will Eagle 6 be, uh, you know, mentioned again? Or do... Well, that that's something I've often thought about, is going through all the episodes and cataloging, because I, I don't think they would have kept tabs on it. So I bet there's Eagles that get destroyed one week that we see the following week. Yeah. Or did they just rename them? Yeah. I don't know, because we never see numbers on them, do we? No, I, I was thinking about that, actually, when I was watching this episode. It's like, that yeah. that's handy that you haven't got to, like, keep taking the number off and put yeah. another number on, you know. Yeah. Um, is this good enough to go on your uh, top 10 Anderson stories? Uh, yeah, I'll put it on. Put, put it... Mm. Shall I? No, I don't want to put it last. What What's the bottom end like? You're, you're, the... You've only got eight on your top 10 right. so far, and at number eight is Attack of the Alligators. From Thunderbirds. Okay. Um, no, put it, put it, put it below that. All right. I might amend it, but yeah, it's. I mean, it's a very good episode. It's very lots of deep meaning in it. Um, I suppose it depends on your tolerance for Jack's shenanigans, whether you you'll enjoy this or not. Mm. You see, that's what put me off. Um, yeah. And 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 as I say, the characterization of Helena and Victor is, is yeah, skewed. It really is. Yeah, it's like you you know when you used to read the Gold Key Star Trek comics, and like Kirk would be calling everyone my boys, and yeah. Spock would be joking, and and it's like that. It's like you've never seen this before, have you? you maybe they hadn't. Victor is. Yeah. Maybe they hadn't. Maybe they've been given you know the the studio bible on on who all yeah. the characters are and and not seen how they interact with each other. Hmm. Do we know when this was filmed? As far as the filming order. Oh, let's have a look. Let me dig that. It's book got out the again. it's got the feeling that it's quite early in the the filming. I think this thing. Um, where does it say? No, it doesn't say the filming. Oh. oh, hang on. That website I was reading off of might have that on. Let me have a look. Let me just scroll to the top. And Because uh, I know the filming order was very, very different to the transmission order, wasn't it? Oh, here we go. The final draft script was 23rd of August, 1974. Right. Uh, it was filmed between 9th of September and 23rd of September, 1974. Right. Okay. But it's broadcast dates. So it was filmed in September 74, but it was transmitted in the UK um, in October 75. So, so over, over a year, year later. Yeah. So perhaps it was a very early one. Perhaps they just hadn't sort of nailed down the series Bible by that point. No, no. Um, okay. Um, and I think that's it. Yeah. All right. So, all right. We'll go and... We're saying goodbye then to Space 1999. Yes. Which means we've we'll got to say hello, hello to uh, Terrorhawks. And yeah, it's your choice, isn't it? Yeah, and I told you the other day, I've got some good news for you. I found a YouTube channel that does show Huzzah. the second season of Terrorhawks, so you don't, don't have to buy, buy any. <laughs> it's, it's one of those weird ones where, because I was looking on eBay, and it's if it was a few quid, I'd buy it. But it, it holds its value. Why? No, no idea. I don't get it. You're still looking at like 20, 30 quid each year yeah. for the the boxes. I don't get it. No. All right. So I've chosen one. Okay. 
All right, and I'll send you the the, the link to it. You can, know, can uh, I, yeah, I won't. I won't know what the title is by the title. No, um, I don't know what it is, but it, yeah. it's kind of like maybe associated with what we've been talking about today. Um, I just chose it at random, and it's like, okay. okay, we'll go with that one. It's called Cold Finger. Cold Finger. Oh God! Even the title was a dodgy. Part. Yeah, because yeah, we know uh, Terror Hawks is full of crap humour. Yes. And so, well, it's humour of about an eight-year-old, isn't it? Yeah. That's the trouble. Yeah. So, I'm I'm assuming we've got an icy yeah. setting again. All right, cold finger. Yeah. Let's should we have a little prediction then? Because I know nothing about it, and I'm pretty certain you're. I reckon Zelda's monster of the week will have the ability to freeze things by touching it. I think it's going to be that obvious a pun. Or. It could be Coldfinger, so the, the villain likes cold, like Goldfinger, like gold. Yeah, maybe like a, like a Mr. Freeze type. Mr. Freeze, yeah. Yeah. Let's, uh, we'll, we'll see how right we are. Yeah. It might be nothing to do with it. But... Be, because, like I say, the, 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 the reason I've, I've, um, I, I, I like this idea that I, I, I choose the, the later ones is I want to see... If it if gets it, better, if yeah. it did get better than the god awful two parter we had to endure the last time yeah. we saw Terror will Hawks. will they have will they have learnt their lessons of what worked and what didn't work? Mm. Will this be where we suddenly see why people like Terror Hawks and Could why why, yeah. why the price is still up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. we might have been wrong about this Cause, all cause along. I don't, I don't think I don't so. think either of us watched it very far when it was originally shown. Didn't I think we? I just watched that two-parter i don't yeah, think i watched I think, any more after that. i think i got about five or six episodes in before i gave up mm. um, i certainly remember watching a few but nowhere near the full season mm. so you're falling asleep just thinking I'm asleep thinking about, it, thinking about the watched. prospect of watching 25 it. minutes of tap oh, it's only short well this time yeah it's not two episodes we have to watch yeah you know well, I hope not. I hope it doesn't say to be continued next week, in which case we've got to watch another one. All right. So, all right. Well, yeah. Join us for Terrorhawks next time, then. Brilliant. Good all stuff. Right. Okay. All right. Nice Thanks, time. Ian. Thanks, Thanks Le- Ian. Thank you, Mickey, for the eagle thing yes, as well. Yeah. Good, good right. shout. Excellent. All right. Cheers, Thanks, then. Sir. See you, folks. Bye. Right. Bye-bye.